So let me open us in prayer and we'll dive into Isaiah 41. Father, thank you so much for these guys today as we look into your word and dive into your word. I pray that we'd receive encouragement and a challenge uh, from your word to live well, to live right, to live in a way that uh, uh, would honor you and please you and glorify you in everything that we do. And so, God, um, let your word uh, just, uh, just speak to us and challenge us and encourage us uh, today in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, back, um, some of you may remember this, but um, one, of the, uh, uh, one of the phrases that, uh, that we say and oftentimes has been quoted uh, by other presidents is, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Um, how many of you know when that phrase was originally stated uh, by a president? Huh? Who? Yeah. Uh, it was uh, FDR. FDR in uh, 1933 uh, in his uh, inauguration. He had run against Herbert Hoover. The Depression was in full swing. Uh, he actually spent most of his campaign uh, trying to use a little bit FDR, used a little bit of his humor, uh, wittiness uh, in, uh, in getting ultimately elected over Herbert Hoover. And it was in that inaugural address that uh, he actually changed from kind of a wittiness uh, in the campaign that he had uh, campaigned on that uh, for all of his political speeches, really not saying much of what he would do to a pretty solemn tone in his inauguration. And he talked about, we've got to be honest about the pressures and the difficulties that the country is facing right now, our economic depression, our difficulties, our hardship, no one has a job. He goes, but there is a reality that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And as we come to Isaiah 41, uh, 10, uh, you know, there, there is a reality uh, that God's people are, are told over and over again not to fear and to not be fearful. Here, here's what it says. If you have Isaiah chapter 49, uh, let me pick it up in verse 9 and 10, and I'll read these. And it's 41, verse 9 and 10. Yeah, 41, verse 9 and 10. I'm sorry. Isaiah 41, verse 9 and 10. He says, I said you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. He says, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. He goes, I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, if you, um, if you go before that, uh, that's 700 B.C. Uh, about 700 B.C., I, before Christ shows up, shows up uh, it's in the Old Testament times. The uh, children of Israel obviously were in Egypt years ago, uh, and they were in bondage in Egypt. Moses goes in after God shows up to him in Exodus 3 and 4. Uh, shows up to Moses in the burning bush, says, Moses, I want you to go deliver my people from the hands of the Egyptians. It's time for me to take them into the promised land, into the place that they are going to live. Moses goes and leads the children of Israel uh, to the promised land. Uh, what happens? The spies go in the land. Remember what it says? The spies came out and said, man, it is a great land. It's got wonderful fruit. It's the spacious land. It's amazing. It is clearly a land flowing uh, with milk and honey. It would be great to inhabit, but there's a problem. There are enemies there. And remember, Joshua and Caleb said, it doesn't matter. God has given us, given us this land. Let's go in. 
but the spies turned the hearts of the people, made them fearful, and they meandered around in the desert for 40 years, and a whole generation died because they were afraid to go into the promised land. Then at the end of Moses' day, uh, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it for you. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, uh, Moses is a, knows because he has been disobedient to God a couple, of, a couple of times along the way. Moses is not going to be able to lead the children into the promised land. He led them out of Egypt. He, he led them as they meandered around in the desert where a generation died. But Moses was not going to be able to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. So Moses calls Joshua in and basically says this. This is Moses' speech to Joshua. And if you want to read this or write it down, you can read it later. This is, this is Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 7. It says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, In the presence of all of Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land the Lord swore to you and your ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you. This is what Moses said. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. Therefore, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. So that's uh, Moses speaking to Joshua. Now, Joshua chapter 1, if you just draw, jump over a couple of chapters, Joshua chapter 1, um, this is Joshua about to go into the promised land. Uh, how many times do we, boy, he's already re received the pep talk, the speech, the encouragement speech, the courage speech from Moses. But Joshua begins to get a bit timid. Man, now this is my show. I'm the one that's supposed to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Uh, now God shows up to Joshua. Notice what God says to Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. Pick it up in verse 5. This is what God says to Joshua. He says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. God says, as I was with Moses, or just as I was with Moses, so I, be, I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Therefore, be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Therefore, God says, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that I gave to Moses and do not turn from the right or from the left that you may be successful wherever you go. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. He goes, and then you will be prosperous and successful. Then God reiterated his point again. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous and don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And now, fast forward to 700 B.C. Isaiah is speaking, the prophet is speaking to the children of Israel. Really, uh, if you remember when the kingdom ultimately got divided between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, the southern kingdom was called Judah. Uh, they were much more faithful than the northern kingdom. It had already been wiped out at the time. Uh, in this time of Isaiah speaking, the children of Israel were vacillating. They were moving from a season of, rebel of rebellion in their life where they were walking away from God, they were rejecting God and the things of God and worship, to seasons of revival. It was almost as if uh, uh, there was no middle ground. 
with the children of Israel. Depending on who their leader was and who the king was, they were either all in on God or all out. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody known anybody like that in their own faith? They're either there at the church seven days a week serving and giving and faithful and studying and doing this, or you don't see them for six months. That's sometimes like us, right? We can be that way. Uh, I know I can look back over seasons in my life. There were seasons as a young man that I was faithful to God and I was walking with Him. There were other seasons in my life where I was anything but faithful to God and anything but walking with Him. And that was the children of Israel. It was, it was as if they would be totally in, in a season of revival, or they were totally out in a season of rebellion. And it was in this time that Isaiah shows up to the children of Israel, and by the way, they are about, they're being threatened basically to be annihilated by the Assyrians and the Egyptians. Uh, the Assyrians had rose, risen to power, uh, the Egyptians were also getting powerful, and what you had is you had the, the, the land of Judah right between the Egyptians and the Assyrians. So someone was going to win the battle, right? That, that's kind of an important piece of land right there, and so they were fearful. And so Isaiah the prophet was given this message from God, and here's what it says. This is back to Isaiah 41, uh, verse 9 and 10. He says, I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. He's talking about the children of Israel. He's not talking about Isaiah. He's talking about the children of Israel. He says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So let me give you a couple of thoughts. I want to give you a couple, couple of thoughts on how you and I can live uh, courageously as Christians in our life. And they're going to come right from verse 10. All of them are going to be right there in those phrases that we find in verse 10. And here's thought number one. Uh, don't live in fear. Man, as a child of God, whatever you do, don't live in fear. Look at what he says. He says, I have said to you, do not fear. The definition, if you look it up in the uh, dictionary, just dictionary.com, the definition of fear is this, uh, a distressing emotion aroused by a potential or impending danger, evil, or pain, etc. Whether the th threat, this is part of the definition, listen to this, is real or imagined whether it's real or imagined. You know, a lot of times we live in fear of things that we imagine. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We worry about things. We live fearful of things that may or may not happen. You know, uh, my, uh, this, uh, my, my, sore, my, my, my sore stomach or my upset stomach is probably going to be stomach cancer. You know, no, it's not. It's probably just an upset stomach, a virus, right? You got a two-year-old kid. You're going to have a virus or your grandkid. You know, there are a lot of times that we live in fear of, uh, of things that will never happen to us. And the children of Israel had good reason to fear. Let me tell you what. The Assyrians were strong enough to wipe them out. The Egyptians were strong enough to wipe them out. Those were legitimate fears. There are certain times in our life where there are enemies that can overwhelm us. I, I don't want to ever deny that. There are times that the Assyrians in our life, if they want to do it, they can just they can own us. The Egyptians in our life, they can own us. There are legit fears. But it was in the middle of this that, Isaiah, that God told Isaiah, go to the children of Israel, 
tell them, I'm your God. I brought you out of slavery. I gave you this land. And let me tell you what, as my servants, I am not going to turn my back on you. There is no reason to fear. There is no reason to fear. And I love that idea for you and me is that God has chosen each and every one of us for salvation. If you are a, a child of the King, if you're a child of God in here, I want you to know, don't live in fear. Don't walk worried and live in, live in fear for anything that could or could not happen, anything that is a real, um, a real danger or an imagined danger. Why? Because you are a child of God. I'm a child of God. That means nothing that comes my way hasn't first been filtered through God's fingers of love. Does that make sense? Now, that doesn't always mean that everything that happens in my life is good. Because ultimately, if you look at the history, God did finally in one of their seasons of rebellion said, man, I'm just done. You, you need to be purged a bit. And there are times in our lives when God will allow purgings to happen. He will allow uh, bad things to happen in our life. But the main thing that you and I cannot do as children of God, as men of God, is we can't walk in fear. We can't live in fear. We can't go through seasons of life. If you look through God's Word, um, there are over, I've, I've actually never counted these. I've just quoted uh, theologians that have, there are over 365 fear knots in the Bible. I haven't memorized them all either, but there are 365. That's one for every day, right? One for every day that if you need a fear knot, there's one in there. That all you have to do is just start reading and you're going to see, especially in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you're going to see God say fear not. The worst thing that we can do as men who follow God is walk in fear. I love what uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 27 verse 1. It says, the Lord is my strength and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? Man, if, if, if God is my strength and if God is my salvation... Who should I be afraid of? I love what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. He says, if God is for us, who can complete this? Who can be against us? He goes, if God is for us, if God's on your side, if God's on my side, what does it matter? Who can be against us? What does it really matter? Because nothing can reach you, nothing can touch you, nothing can touch me uh, that God can't handle. Man, there are, there are times that we need to live, men, not in fearfulness, but in a courageousness that God's got this. Regardless of what's going on, God's got this. Yeah, Jeff? Um, just maybe your thoughts real quick. You might agree or disagree, but it just came a couple, a couple years ago. I was going through kind of a, a difficult situation and sitting there praying and meditating and everything. And you kind of think of that phrase. Try to talk time. loud. Talk uh, loud. Yeah. You know, if I can handle it, then I've got to be smart enough, and I've got to be able yeah. to figure yeah. this out. The idea is, I mean, yeah, I yeah. That no, that's uh, in fact, yeah. I, I share, I shared a sentiment. Uh, I think it was a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago. If you didn't hear him in the back, um, he said he was going through a difficult season, tough season, and then he had that thought of, um, and you, you and I have heard this thought. God, God will never give you more than you can handle. Anybody ever heard that thought? And you, if you heard me preach on that a couple, of, I, I want you to know that's bull. 
okay? That's, that, that's a load of junk. There are a lot of things in life, all right? And I want you to hear what I'm saying well, guys. There are a lot of things in life that are more than we can handle. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They're more than we can handle alone, by ourselves. Lose, lose a child. On, on Thursday, I will, uh, I will do a funeral of someone who lost a, lost a son in a car wreck uh, this weekend. Those are difficult things. Like me, ha have a brother take his life. Uh, that's more than you can handle. Alone, does that make sense? Have your wife get cancer and be diagnosed with uh, not long to live. That is more than you can handle alone. So notice the alone part. There are a lot of things in life, man. There are a lot of, there are a lot of things I will tell you as a pastor that I've walked in on somebody and um, seen them handle it with God. And I walk out of there and I go, boy, I don't know how I could do it. Does that make sense? There are a lot of things, guys, that can come our way that we can't handle by ourselves. But that is part of what I'm going to show you as, as you journey down. One of, the, one of the answers is, why do you not fear? Because I'm with you. It, he doesn't say, don't be afraid because you're such a stud. Uh, he says, don't be afraid because I'm with you. But that's later on in the message here. But that's exactly right. There are times, guys, that if you are trying to handle life's worries and difficulties and fears alone, man, you're going to struggle. I love what Abraham Lincoln said, a good quote, quote a number of years ago. He says, most people, and y'all remember the season that he was in, boy, it was not a good season. He said, most people are about as fearful as they choose to be. Just let that sink in. Most people are about as fearful as they choose to be. Does that make sense? That, that you think of, and, and I, I am not one of these guys, you think of some, think of the police officers today, right? Man, it's just one of those things. We were driving down the road the other day. I'm a police chaplain, and so uh, anytime something happens to a police officer around, I, I, we get emails and just to pray and communicate and talk. Um, so I'm, I'm much more tapped into what's going on. But, you know, this, this officer in Grand Prairie got hit. Uh, that, that, that became a, a, a big thing on the email and whatever. And so Gene and I are just driving down the road and um, we saw an officer pull uh, a guy over. And she goes, man, I'd just, I'd just be so scared to do that right now. You know, just that, but that was his job, so he chose to do it. Does that make sense? I would be fearful to do it. They choose to be as fearful as they choose, or they are as fearful as they choose to be. Does that make sense? And, and you and I need to understand, if you're living in fear, it's probably because you're choosing it. You're not choosing to walk in God's courage and God's, God's grace and, and the truth that God has the strength. So I want to encourage you guys, choose to be courageous for God. Don't choose fear. Don't you say, and there are times if you were sitting there and you're fearful of your marriage or your health or your kids or your that or everything, man, you're probably about as fearful as you choose to be. Now, that doesn't mean you don't need to take action. I'm going to show you that here in a few seconds. But I love those words. Uh, in the New Testament, here's what Paul said, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. He says, for God has not given us, talking about children of God, the spirit of timidity, your translation might say fear. But instead, God gave us a spirit of power and love and dis discipline. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. 
Man, God, God didn't save us uh, to be scrawny, shrink-backed, shriveled-up Christians. He gave us salvation. He gave us His grace so you and I would walk in power and love and discipline. And when we walk in power and love and discipline, we are anything but fearful. Now, that doesn't, mind, doesn't mean that there aren't times that uh, those fearful thoughts don't show up, and they do. Uh, that those worrying and anxious ideas don't show up, and they do. But the general sense for you and me ought to be that we should live uh, in a way that we are not fearful. Here's another passage on our fears. Psalm 34, verse 4, if you want to write this down. This is very practical as it relates to, to fear. He says, I sought the Lord, and He answers me, answered me, and He delivered me from all my fears. Very practical. He says, I sought the Lord, and He delivered me. What did He deliver me? From all my fears. So if you just break that down in a very practical sense, I think there's, a, there's an important key here. It's the word my. My fears. Probably, um, if we were to write them all down, there are some general overriding um, topics that we all fear, right? Uh, maybe some money or maybe, you know, health or some, some general. But he says, all my fears. Fear is also pretty personal, right? Uh, there are probably, if you think, around, think about it, how many of you in here, uh, you're scared of heights? Heights are your gig. Notice a lot of us, a lot of people didn't because that, that's not your gig. Um, how many of you, what are some other fears that people have? How many of you are afraid of snakes? Okay. How many of you are afraid of spiders? Yeah, you're girls. Um, <laughs> so my wife's afraid of spiders, so y'all can talk to her about that. I'm like, the fighter is over there, babe, and you are over here. Uh, you know, fears are personal, right? Somebody throws something else that, that's kind of a personal fear. You're, you're a phobia. What? Flying. I, I want you to know I'm afraid of flying. I do not believe planes can fly. Or I, I don't. I don't know how you put, a, to put together a chunk of metal and they fly. I don't like flying. And I will tell you, you won't like flying next to me either. Trust me. Uh, what else? Uh, uh, claustrophobia. I, and that's part of my flying deal. Uh, most people, don't, I, I struggle with claustrophobia. The worst thing that can ever happen with you and me is us being in an elevator that just goes, you ever been in one of those that does that? Because I will guarantee you, I am stuck to the side of that thing. Man, if I die, I want to die in an open space, guy. Okay, when I start to die, Please don't leave me in my hospital room with the room shut. Y'all drag me out in the middle of a field somewhere and shoot me up, okay? That'll just, with a gun, not, not, not drugs. I don't want that on my record at the end. He had heroin running all through his body. Hey, Otto, can you make sure we delete this out before this gets back? <laughs> not the heroin part, leave that in there. Uh, but, but I love that. He says, man, I cried out to you and you delivered me from my fears. So guys, if you and I are going to live courageous and strong lives, I want to encourage you to go home and write down the things that are your fears. Does that make sense? And I will promise you, my fear as your pastor, some of my fears 
as your pastor are different than your fears. As someone who's in politics or, or, or computer programming or someone that's a me in a medical profession, you've got certain fears. Write your fears down. Use this passage, Psalm 34, verse 4, and say, I've sought the Lord and He answered me and He delivered me from my fears. So part of your homework today is, guys, go write down your fears. One of, um, I'll just tell you, one of the things when I surrendered the ministry, one of my greatest fears was public speaking. And, and if you don't know, if you're going to be a pastor, you kind of have to, that's part of the job, right? I, I love just talking. I love joking around. But to stand up and, uh, and speak in front of people, it's my, one of my greatest fears. Probably, if you haven't noticed, uh, I've probably got about a three-hour message I could share with you today. Why? goes all the way back to my biggest fear in public speaking was to run out of something to say. How many of you have that fear when you speak, right? So what, what was my compensation? I made a commitment early on. I was never stepping in to a platform that I didn't have loads of God's word to share with people. That's why you get, you get the messages that you do. It's part of me. I knew God called me to it. I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to overcome this. I'm never going to step in the pulpit. And to this day, after 24 years as your pastor, I've never stepped into your pulpit completely uh, without being completely prepared. I always have way more than I can share. So now there are some of you, I move way beyond what you can bear. But trust me, I've got more, a lot more usually. All right. So what do we do? List your fear. And that's one of the things I did early on. God, this scares me to death. This scares me to death. And I said, God, if you want me to be a pastor, you're going to have to take this away from me. And he did. And you want to know how he did? About two days later, about 9.30 at night, I got a call from Neil Jeffrey and said, you're te teaching the Prestonwood Men's Bible Study tomorrow, about 600 guys. And so I only had about five hours to be fearful. You just had to go do it. And there are going to be times that you're going to pray that God would take away a fear. And he goes, I am going to take away that fear, but here's how I'm going to do it. You're going to get put right in that position. And so, guys, if you are walking in fear of something, write it down. Cry out to God and say, God, I need you to take this away from me. Here's the second thing. If we're going to live courageous Christian life, one, we have to live without fear. Number two, don't choose a life of loneliness from God and others. Guys, do not choose a life of loneliness from God and others. So go back to our passage, Psalm 41, uh, verse 9, and then read it on. He says, I said, you are my child, you're my servant. God says, I've chosen you, each and every one of you, and I have not rejected you. And what does that mean? Even in the midst of your rebellion and your revival and your rebellion and your revival, just like the children of Israel, God says, I still haven't rejected you. If you're in one of those seasons in your life where you've been uh, off in a phase or a season of rebellion, but you're coming back to God, I want you to know God hadn't rejected you. If you're in a season of rebellion, uh, of revival right now, and you venture off the path a bit towards rebellion, God's not going to reject you. Every time you come back to him and cry out to him, he's going to accept you. So he says, I've chosen you. I have not rejected you. Now jump back into verse 10. So do not fear. Why do we not fear? For I am with you. 
Guys, there it is. We can, if we choose to walk in loneliness, it is our choice. If you choose to walk in loneliness and isolation, it's a choice that you made. But God didn't create us that way. God created us as relational beings. How many of you understand that? Well, if you go all the way back uh, to the creation of the world, when God created the world, created everything, all the, everything was good. Then it says he created Adam, and Adam was good. And then God looked at Adam and said, it is not good for Adam to be alone. What does that mean? Probably what that means, if you think about us, God looked at Adam and says, if I leave him in there alone, he's going to tear this place up, right? So I need to give him a helper. I need to bring mama in there that will make him clean up after himself and fold his clothes and stuff like that. What does it mean? God didn't create us to live lives of isolation. I love what one theologian said. He said, you know what? Jesus' whole purpose to come and to die and to walk in this earth. Now, it's, great, it's greater still. He was using this as a, as a point of exaggeration. Jesus' whole purpose in dying on the cross was so you and I wouldn't live in isolation with God, from God. He wanted to draw us back to Him. And so I love this idea, going back to the Old Testament. He says, do not fear, I will be with you. If you are walking in isolation... From God and others, it's probably a choice that you are making. Just like being fearful, it's a choice. Walking in isolation is a choice. Boy, if you take a, a, a man who is struggling with an addiction or a sin, what is the worst thing for him? It's to be alone. Be alone. I guarantee you, guys, if we walk in loneliness and isolation, Satan will wear us out. He will wear us out, and He will win. Why? Because God created us to be a relational beings. God created us uh, in such a way that we shouldn't live lonely lives. Uh, one guy uh, talking about, one psychologist talking about loneliness said this, one of the prominent symptoms of our times is complete loneliness. He says, isn't it ironic that in the age of the greatest population explosion in the world, the world has ever known, Mere people are desperately lonely and more desperately lonely than ever before. He says, even with high-rise apartment buildings and crowded cities and big monuments, and they're just simply more, nothing more than a monument to loneliness. He says, there is an aching loneliness behind the door of every house, it seems. I know of those both in the city and in the suburbs where loneliness is their desperate problem. What is he saying? We can be alone in a crowded place, right? You, you, we hear about it all the time. People, uh, people say they lived in a neighborhood, and then all of a sudden the neighbor dies, and they say, I never saw them, right? What does it mean? They lived in loneliness. The truth is, God says, as a child of God, guys, we are not supposed to live in loneliness. First of all, we have to know the presence of God. How do we walk in the presence of God? By being in His Word, right? Uh, by coming to worship, singing praises to Him by getting in a Bible study like this or some other Bible study. What does that mean? We are walking in the presence of God, saying, God, what do you want me to do? But also, we need to be in the presence of other people, of, of, other God's, of God's people. How do you do it? You get to know people. You get to know people at your, at your table there. You get to know people that are around you. You come in, you get involved in a life group or a home group or some other group that you build relationships with other people. When God says, I will be with you, he says, listen, I don't want my children 
I don't want my young men, you and me, to live in isolation from God or from other people. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 7, if you just want to write this down, uh, remember this. This is, this is part of, remember we're going back to Moses' farewell address uh, to Joshua. What did he say? He said, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. If you ever wonder, where is God? He's probably right there. He's probably right there. If you ever think about it, if you jump forward to Joshua chapter 1, when God speaks to Joshua, he says, No one is able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, what did God say? So I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. If you, if you ever ask yourself the question, where is God? I'll promise you he's right there, guys. I'll promise you he is right there. You know, as we, uh, I'll just close right there. We got in two of six. Remember that I mentioned that I always come way more prepared? So we're in number two. So I want you to live with those two thoughts this week, and we'll pick back up in Isaiah 41, verse 10 next week. Guys, do not live in fear this week. Write down your fear, confess it, and live with courage, whatever it is. Second thing, guys, do not live in isolation from God and God's people. Man, get connected with God's Word, walk in a sense of understanding and prayer with God's Word, and get surrounded by other people. Call someone, call a neighbor, call someone else. My guess is if you're like me, everybody in this room has someone say, you know, I, I really need to call them and go have a dinner with them or go have lunch with them or go have breakfast with them. Yeah, I want everybody, every guy in this room to do that this week. Go spend some time. Don't fear. Don't live in isolation. We'll be more blessed for it. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for these guys. Thank for the opportunity just to hang out uh, and talk and laugh a little bit. But be reminded, God, that we as your children are not supposed to live in fear, nor are we supposed to live in isolation. God, so I pray that we would be men of courage and we'd be men of great relationships, first of all, with our God who loves us, and then secondly, with God's people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.